to be able to interview Elijah tonight and uh, we did the 4pm service and just great hearing his story and hearing him share but uh, uh, so great to have him out here, the family as well, his girlfriend Eve is here tonight Uh, but without further ado I suppose I could say, uh, do you want to just welcome up Elijah as he comes now, that'd be amazing. Hello, yep we're on. Mate, thanks so much for um, coming and sharing with us tonight, and um, yeah, it's a real privilege to have you here. Let's, uh, let's start with uh, your childhood. Where did you grow up and family life? What did that look like? Yeah, so um, I'm Gold Coast born and bred, um, so for 20 years uh, I was living on the Gold Coast, um, yeah, just, you know, grew up in school there, Christian home, um, was, you know implanted in the church, um, you know, with my family um, from a very young age, mainly at City Point up here at Brisbane. Um, but yeah, Christian schooling, um, you know, loved to swim and uh, surf, but yeah, it was pretty good. Tell us about the, the, the swimming career. When did that sort of start? You know, was there, was there a sense of like, oh, you loved it from an early age or was that a bit later that you got into swimming? Yeah, so um, my parents put me in Learn to Swim um, just pretty much as water safety. Living on the Gold Coast, you know, you're surrounded by the best beaches in the world, so they just wanted me to know how to swim. Um, and, you know, they sort of tell the story that they put me in the pool and they could actually never take me out. So um, I was, I guess grown up in the pool from there. All I can remember is swimming. Um, I was implanted into a squad, maybe for mum and dad to, you know, get me out of the house or whatever, to burn energy from when I was four years old. So um, I've been swimming, yeah, my whole life. What does training look like for you at the moment now? Like how often are you training? What does that look like? Yeah, so right now we're in the off season. So the time in which we don't have a major competition or a major competition coming up. Um, So right now I'm doing from anywhere from 30 to 40 hours of exercise a week. Um, So that is um, getting to the pool at 6.30am every morning and I don't get to leave till 10.30 and then I go back at 2.30 in the afternoon and that's pretty much six days a week um, and I get Sunday off, thank goodness. That's awesome. So was there quite a bit of promise early on then? uh, what did that look like? Did you start winning quite early and you thought, oh, hang on a second, there's a, maybe a bit of a gift here in swimming? What did that look like? Yeah, I've been, I like to say, extremely blessed. Um, ever since I was very young, I've always been quite successful. Um, growing up um, as a young age group swimmer, um, I was always that sort of, I guess, kid to beat. Um, I was the first person in the country to win uh, 30 national age group titles. So from when I was 13 to 17, I won 30 different times. Um, And yeah, so I guess I was extremely blessed to be very talented early on, but that also comes with its flaws, as we'll discuss later. But um, I never really had that bad swim or down moment from when I was, yeah, 13 to 18 years old. Just a freak all the way through, no worries. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Um, so you started to show a fair bit of promise in those teenage years. Did, early on, did you always have this sense of like, okay, this is my lifelong dream, like I want to be Olympic champion or world champion? Yeah, so, um, you know, like any kid who, you know, says, oh, you know, I want to be a soccer player or I want to be a firefighter or whatever it is, my thing was I want to go to an Olympic Games. Um, and I remember a distinct moment um, in the 2008 Beijing Games. I was eight years old. It's the first Olympics I ever remember. Um, And for any sports people out there, that's the year Michael Phelps won the most amount of gold medals ever done in one year. So he won eight gold medals at the one Olympic Games. And I remember watching that going like, holy, like I want to do that. Um, And I guess that's when the ambition really started. So you're pretty successful through those teenage years. Um, When did you sort of crack... Because uh, you must have, you had to get to a point where it was beyond age uh, swimming and into open swimming. Uh, when did you sort of crack into that open open swimming? Yeah, so in 2018 was the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, so what would be a hometown games for me, which is extremely rare. Um, that was my actually first opportunity of making the senior Australian team. Um, so for me, I was 17 at that point in time, um, and. What a lot of people don't know is is there's this massive stigma in swimming where 
if you're a very talented young age group swimmer, you're never gonna make it um, and you're never gonna be anywhere successful when you get older. Um, and that was really tough for me going through my early teenage years because I would have people when I was um, you know, 13, 14, 15, people that I looked up to who were my heroes on the Australian swim team kind of say, oh, well, you know, enjoy it now because it's kind of, this is going to be it for you. Um, so I guess when I was 17 at the Commonwealth Games trials, um, I was obviously nervous. I knew I maybe had a shot to make the team. And anyway, I came fourth in the Tourometer Freestyle. So I got selected for the Tourometer Freestyle Relay at those games, um, which was a massive deal for me because it kind of got that monkey off my back. You know, I'm not just this wonder kid, although I was still, you know, only 17, so I was still a baby, but, um, you know, at that point in time, it was a big deal for me, um, and yet, yeah, fast forward then to the Commonwealth Games, you know, we were fortunate enough to come away with the gold medal in the relay, so it was, a, it was an awesome high for me, um, and I'll always look at that moment as such, like, a, an awesome moment, and one of the highlights in my career. Tell us about the moment, though, making the team, like, that must have been pretty phenomenal, how did you feel afterwards, like, what was that like? Yeah, like, as you could imagine, it was just um, awesome and I was just, you know, so high on life um, and, you know, nothing was wrong and in those good times, you know, you, you think you're indestructible um, and, you know, nothing's going to get you down. So it was kind of one of those moments. What was it like being a part of the Australian team? Not everyone gets to be a part of a Commonwealth uh, team. What was that like? Being, what was the culture like? It was a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, it was really cool um, and when you're so young, you kind of just trying to learn as much as you can and when you're trying to make a career out of it um, I was really just trying to learn off you know the senior members um, and just you know gain as much experience as I could and really just keep that young experience of just you know loving swimming and loving what I'm doing. You're part of the Australian team you make it Commonwealth Games it must have been awesome to win gold but literally in your hometown where you grew up um, what was that like? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, having a hometown games is really special because, you know, you can have your family there, um, which I take for granted now. You know, normally it's, you know, all over the world, which is really special, but, you know, it's quite special when you see your mum bawling her eyes out in the stands. Like, that's just a little bit different. It hits different. So, um, yeah, it's one of those moments that I'll cher cherish forever. After the Commonwealth Games, you win gold, which is amazing in the relay. It must have been just, you're just thinking, all right, this is on, like onwards and upwards from here. Um, tell us the journey after that then. Yeah, so um, following a Commonwealth Games year is a world championships, which is deemed a better competition or quite higher competition, more so because it's just the whole world and not just the Commonwealth. Um, so that was going to be in 2019. So I was going to be a year older, a year wiser, a year stronger, um, and uh, whether it's, you know, well, I, I know it is, you know, God's purpose, but at the time, I didn't really want to believe it, but anyway, at the trials, I did a time slower than I did um, when I was, you know, 17. I missed the final for the, for the um, even trials, and I didn't make the world's team, and I had to watch all of my friends that I was on the team with the year before at home on TV, which was um, a massive blow um, because, like I said, I was coming off this massive high and I was like, you know, I'm unbeatable. And then it's just like, oh, reality check. And it's just like this ouch moment. Um, and, yeah, that was, that was a big blow for me. How are you feeling after that? Are you thinking, no, I'm going to bounce back and, and, and train harder or more of a sense of like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe I can't keep going on. Like. Yeah, so um, whether it was just because I was so young or I'm not sure what it was or because it was really my first major setback, but um, I missed the team on the Sunday night and I text my coach saying, I'll see you at the pool at 4.30 tomorrow morning. Um, and I was just like so motivated to get back into it and like, you know, right my wrongs and show, you know, the world what I've got. And I believe God's you know, put me on this earth for a purpose. And at that time, you know, I believe my purpose was swimming and to, you know, do as well as I could and succeed in the pool. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. And that's why I was motivated to get back in for what would be, was supposed to be Tokyo 2020 Olympics. So this is 2019. Um, you miss the world's team. You're back in the pool now. And then you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to train for 2020 Tokyo. Um, 
COVID hits, and then they're talking about postponing the Tokyo Olympics. What's that like now? Because I imagine you're pretty goal-focused. Uh, what's that like now, training with that sense of unknown of, oh, when's this Olympics going to happen? Yeah, so um, that was a tough period of time for all the athletes, um, mainly because in the back of our minds, there's never been a postponement of the Olympics in history. There's been, uh, I think it's two cancellations during world wars, um, but never a postponement. So we were all told, oh yeah, you know, it's gonna be a year later, but we're all like, yeah, sure. Um, so it's pretty hard when you work 20 years of your life towards something and then you're not even sure if it's gonna happen. Um, but for me, this was a, a massive test um, in my faith and in my belief um, because I felt the need to shift my training. Um, so in 2020 during COVID and the postponement, that's when I moved to Brisbane to train under a new coach, um, mainly because I just felt too comfortable where I was. Um, and you know, I believe God's put me on this earth to be a world changer and nobody changes the world while being comfortable. Um, you know, you have to put yourself out there and take some risks. So that was the decision that I made. Um, and I guess that's what helped me uh, train and stay motivated into, into the new Olympics or the postponement is because it was just something so fresh and so new. You moved to uh, Brizzy in Japili and you trained at St. Peter's Lutheran under Dean Boxall. Is that right? Now, if, if you're um, aware... Dean's the one, you remember, he was, all, he was over everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one shaking the glass like crazy, going wild. That's Dean Boxall. So that's... Uh, yeah, so I see that guy for 40 hours a week and he shakes the glass for 40 hours a week. So it's that intense. Um, but, you know, I love him and it's the passion that, you know, brings out the best in the swimmers. I remember, I think people... Um, I think people around the world saw that and were like, I don't know what Dean Boxall's got, but I want what he's got. You know, like he, he's Yeah, just for sure. Quiet. I mean, I think we might watch a part of the race later and if you listen closely in the last 50, if you hear somebody just screaming, it's actually him and that like, <laughs> that you can hear him from the commentator's box and he's like on pool deck. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, okay, so 2021, you're starting to train now in the lead up to the Olympics. Uh, tell us about the Olympic trials to make the team. And this is your dream, obviously. You want to make the Olympic team. Yeah, so this was, like I mentioned, my dream as a young kid was to make an Olympics. Um, and a lot of people say that uh, the Olympic trials is always way harder than the Olympics because the Olympic trials is, you know, that shot to achieve your dream, whereas the Olympics, you know, you've made it, you're there to have fun. Um, so I, you know, had a lot of pressure because, mind you, I still hadn't made the team since I was this young wonder kid and I was never going to make the team again. Um, so I had this massive pressure um, and, you know, fortunately for me, I swam unbelievably fast. I did a massive personal best. Um, I did the fastest time anybody's done in the past five years and I won the 400-metre freestyle and qualified for my first Olympics. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, but like all good moments, um, that good feeling lasted for about five minutes until I got out of the pool and the very first question I was asked in the media room was, oh, well, like, you've done such a fast time, we can't wait to watch you win gold in Tokyo. And I was just like, oh, like, sick. Like, that was a whole new pressure that I hadn't even thought about. Um, you know, I was just wanting to go to the Olympics and now I have a whole country that's expecting me to win. Um, and I had about eight weeks from the trials to the Olympics where... Every night I would lay awake thinking, oh man, like I've got to win or else I'm going to let people down and, you know, I want to win so bad and, you know, I lost this dream that I had of just even going to the Olympics, enjoying it. It was all now just about, oh, well, like I have to win and, you know, you know, God's put me on this earth to swim and, you know, and to succeed and, you know, if I don't win, then I'm letting God down and, you know, I had all these thoughts um, which, was, which was really hard but in the same time, you know, it helped me stay motivated and I was, you know, swimming unbelievably fast in the pool and training. Um, so I was going to Tokyo very confident. Um, but then, you know, at the games, God always has a different plan. So about eight weeks out, you're really, this is weighing on you heavily. Did, did, you, did you sense that, yeah, you really were swimming for your nation and that, that as, as Australia, there's this sense of like, oh, surely you're going to win this event. It's the far, you were the, your time was the fastest anyone's gone in that event for the last five years. So there was a sense almost in which 
Absolutely, you're going to win gold, you should bring it home. I think I even recall, actually, in the in that Olympic Games that commentators were talking about, oh, yeah, Elijah should take yeah, the one. Yeah, so out. I was the fastest-ranked athlete by, you know, over a second, and in the swimming world, like, a second is a massive difference. Um, so I was one of those, like, you know, if there was, like, a sports bet, I was, like, a dollar or two to win this thing. Like, it was, um, it was a pretty sure thing in a lot of people's mind. Um, so, yeah. Tell us about the race then going into it. Yeah, so, I mean, I was extremely blessed. I did the heat time, um, the heat swim, and I qualified fourth into the final, and I went about maybe three seconds slower than what I did at the Olympic trials to qualify for the team. Um, and I was like, oh, here we go, like reality check. But I was like, you know, I've got a lane. It's a new race. I can do this. I was extremely confident. Um, but I was so tense um, because I just wanted it so bad and I just wanted this success for myself but for my family and for my country and, you know, for God. Um, that's what I felt on my back. And swimming such like a, a feel sport. Um, if you lose the feeling in the water, then, you know, your race is not going to go very well um, and you need to be very relaxed. Um, and then I was, you know, so tense and you can watch me walking out for the race and I was like so laser focused and like so rigid um, and anyway, I touched the wall seventh um, in a time that was four seconds over what I went at the Olympic trials. Um, and if I had have done my Olympic trials time, I would have won by a second and a half. Um, so I think that was the biggest blow, was I was like, ouch. Like, all I had to do was to just be myself and it would have happened if I had have gone to the Olympics thinking that, you know, oh, wow, how cool is this? I'm at the Olympics and just did what I did at trials you know, I would have then had those accolades that I was so desperately wanting. Um, but, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes, you know, chasing after it or wanting something so bad isn't always the right option. Tell us about that moment. Like, you must have been hurting straight away, got out. Uh, tell us about the next, you know, that night and the next sort of couple of weeks and what are you going through? What are you feeling? Yeah, so um, obviously I was, I was very upset. Um, I like to try and keep my composure... Um, around pool deck, so I pretty much, you know, just put the cap and goggles on, did my warm down, got out of there. Um, I had a little tear on the bus on the way back to the Olympic Village, and then I called a, um, a very good chaplain friend of mine, um, and the very first question I asked him was, what did I do to God to deserve this? Um, I felt as though that because of my sin or because of my wrongdoings that God was punishing me, um, and, you know, you know, that serves you for, you know, doing X, Y, Z. Um, and, you know, in the time it can be, you know, very, you know, comforting to hear the words, oh, well, you know, Jesus, you know, faced his trials and tribulations. Do you reckon, you know, he faced that and he's the son of God. So, like, you know, what can't you do? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, deep down I was just trying to push it aside because I was so hurt. Um, and this lasted for about two months um, and I actually, once I got back from Tokyo, I told my coach I'm never swimming again, and I told it I'm done. Um, my family didn't even know that, and I, um, yeah, I was finished with swimming. I was like, no, nah, this isn't for me. The pressure's too much. I've already let God down. Gifting clearly isn't swimming. I'll try my hand at something else, um, and yeah, I went down this sort of depression route, which was really tough for me until I met... Um, my current mind coach who uh, really just shifted my way of thinking more off results and more to that, you know, childhood way of thinking about enjoyment around competition. So how long is this going on for where you're just struggling? About, about two months, yeah. So I, I was completely out of the water, not swimming. Um, so I, you know, put on like 10 kilos, you know, eating all the junk and all that sort of stuff. But... Um, yeah, it was about two months that I was in this down, downward spiral where I just um, wasn't, not just not liking swimming, but I just was not liking life because um, as an elite athlete, it's very hard to separate your life from your elite sport. And my identity was so caught up in being a professional swimmer and a successful swimmer. Um, and when you not only feel like you've let yourself down, but you've left, you've let your family down, your country down, the creator down, like what kind of, you know, person are you and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I was really struggling. You're hurting a lot, um, but you talk about um, things began to change. Tell us about that and you get back into the pool. 
Yeah, so um, I tried, I guess, a new mindset um, or a new way of thinking into my approach into swimming. Um, so like I mentioned, I just wanted to enjoy it and go for the enjoyment like I did when I just wanted to go to the Olympics. It wasn't about one result or it wasn't about one thing. I just wanted to have fun and whatever the result was, that would flow. Um, so the next thing I was training for, um, we're into this year now, was a World Championships and Commonwealth Games. So um, the World Championships trials was going to be my, I guess, next big test um, to see how that would go. You mentioned before in the 4pm service, uh, you had a conversation with someone that was quite impacting, I think, at an uh, engagement party or something like that. T tell us about that. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> when towards the end of when I was hurting, um, a pastor at City Point Church we're very close with, um, I was talking to him at his son's engagement party um, and we were in the corner, I was, you know, crying, but no one would know, like an odd place to have these conversations, but... Um, I had this moment of realisation and we didn't have to speak these words um, but it was this real faith moment for me and clearly in what I was feeling I had no trust in God that maybe what the result that I got in Tokyo was just all a part of the plan that God had for my life and I had this faith moment because um, his wife just got diagnosed with cancer and was told, you know, you're never going to walk again or you're really going to struggle to walk again. And every morning, her, her husband and her son woke up, would take communion and give thanks to God. And I would go, wow, what am I complaining about? Like, I had a bad swimming race. Like, walking is, you know, so much worse. And they had the faith to even just say, thank you, God, for this life you have given me. And it was this real reality check moment for me um, where I, I guess, then turned the corner. You're back in the pool, you're training now, and now you're training towards uh, this year's world titles. What was it like in the lead-up to that and then the, um, uh, the trials to make the worlds? Yeah, so um, I was training really well, um, not as well as I was before Olympics, but you know, I was really trying this new mindset of just really enjoying it, and I was really trying to just let the results speak for themselves, um, but I was going to Worlds, um, quite, Worlds Trials, sorry, quite nervous because, um, you know, I just had such a bad race and I wasn't really sure how it was going to pan out for me. Um, and anyway, I swam a time in the 400-meter freestyle. I, I qualified for the Worlds and Commonwealth Games team, but it was a quite a slow time for my standards um, or what I wanted to swim anyway, which was another... I guess, test for me because, um, yes, I did love the meet and I was really enjoying it. There was a part of me that was still disappointed with the result and that was the part that I needed to fix and tweak um, and it was good that I identified that um, and we, you know, my mind coach and I call those distractions um, and the way we deal with distractions is by stepping back, stepping up and then stepping in. So, you know, for example, if I'm feeling very tense or I'm disappointed about my results, what we would do is, is, you know, stepping back is by realising those distractions. Stepping up is making the choice or the, uh, deciding what the action is to fix that. So if you're feeling very tense, it was, you know, maybe just take 10 deep breaths. And if you're still feeling 10 after 10 deep breaths, take another 10 deep breaths. And that was the stepping in uh, action. So it was just going through this process that I was able to identify these things and sort of apply this enjoyment factor in my swimming. I love the idea of this mind coach thing. I'm thinking about maybe I might get one of those, but uh, uh, Nathan, he'd be my mind coach. That'd be awesome. Um, you, you, you make the team, which is pretty amazing. Um, so you're back on the Australian team, which is exciting. Tell us then uh, going to world titles. Yeah, so um, again, my big thing was just, just enjoy this race. Um, and um, I guess... I had no pressure, I didn't put pr any pressure on myself, I just wanted to go there and have fun, like I said, um, and I don't know if you wanted to play the yeah, race. Well, we do, we do to... have a video, yeah, so who's keen to see in the race? Well, I'm going to play it anyway. So uh, uh, this is the race, it's not the whole race though, because it's a 400 freestyle, but it's just a highlight of the race, so um, let's see what happens. Here we go.
like re-watching that yeah I mean it still gives me goosebumps but um yeah it's pretty cool I'm not sure if anyone noticed the time so 3.41.2 is what I went in the final to qualify for the final I went 3.44 so three seconds slower than what I did um and I qualified into the final second and in my mind I was like oh well I've done better than the Olympics so this is great um, and I guess that was the first big trigger for me is, is I'd already started enjoying the competition. Um, and, you know, you can't see it in that clip there, but if, you're, if you watch me when, you know, they call your name out and there's, you know, 10,000 people cheering in a massive stadium, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. Like, I'm just, like, beaming smile, just, like, looking around, and, you know, you flash back 12 months prior, and it's the same scenario, but I'm just, like, this laser-focused and ultra-tense and you know, from there it was just, you know, pretty much history. And I pray before every single race. I step away from my, you know, competitors and I stand behind the block and I get on one knee and I say a short prayer. And every single race before that moment, I would, you know, pray, oh, dear Heavenly Father, give me the strength to win or give me the strength to do this time or give me the strength to do a PB or whatever it may be. And that was all well and good. And, you know, because that's what I felt God was giving me the purpose to do is to, you know, win for him. And that's how I would shine my light through God is by winning. Um, and with this new realisation, I knew that was a, just the, not the right way to go about it. Um, and what I prayed for before that race was all I said to God was just, Jesus, peace be still. Because I knew that in order to do what God needed me to do, all I needed was peace and all I needed was to be calm. The results were just going to be whatever the results were. They were determined before I was born. There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to change that. So why pray to win, right? Um, and, you know, I stood behind the blocks. And the last thing I remember thinking about before diving in was, well, I'm already having so much fun. So whatever happens in this race, it really doesn't matter because my goal coming here was to just enjoy it, right? So whatever was going to happen in the race was just enjoyment. Um, and then, uh, yeah, from there it was just a bonus. And then, you know, I touched the wall and said, thank you, Jesus, and then did all that other lame stuff and did all the celebrations. But um, get, the, get the gold medal, the lame yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a really special moment for me because it was a, um, yeah, not only obviously getting the monkey off my back and, you know, not proving myself, but it was a massive step forward in my faith and in my new way of thinking towards, you know, how not only I view God's viewing my talent, but also like how, you know, Jesus then views like how I'm performing and how I'm shining his light, which was really cool. It's pretty amazing to become world champion, but then Commonwealth Games aren't too far after that. How'd you go, Commonwealth Games? Yeah, so um, like I said earlier, going into Worlds, I had no pressure, so it was this like you know awesome thing. It wasn't like the Olympics, you know. Really, it was an easy race, and then arguably, um, you know, well, it is World Championships is you know a tougher competition than. Um, a Commonwealth Games because, you know, the World Championships is the whole world, Commonwealth Games, you're just first in the Commonwealth. And so as soon as I won the World Championships, everyone was like, oh, well, you're going to easily win Commonwealth Games now. And I went, oh, great, here we go again. 
Um, and, you know, I had this moment where I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a real test um, because, you know, that pressure was back on and I was, you know, the guy that was going to be to beat um, because the time I did at the World Championships was the fastest time um, swum in the past 12 years, the far, fourth fastest time in history. Um, so it was this massive moment for me where I was like, okay, the pressure's back on. How'd you go? Yeah. So um, at the Commonwealth Games, you know, again, I went into the competition just trying to enjoy it. Um, but I had, a, you know, a few moments with my coach where, you know, I would tense up and that's where we did that, you know, step back, step in, um, step back, step up, step in process. And that really helped me. But anyway, I came away from the Commonwealth Games with three gold medals and a bronze. Um, and I backed up my title in the front freestyle. It's awesome. What's your, what's your next goal now? What are you training towards? Yep, so next year again is uh, another World Championships, um, which will be good again because, I mean, the pressure's back on, which is a good test for me. Um, so right now I'm just, you know, just enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and then post next year is then Olympics again. So that'll be the ultimate test and obviously the next big goal for me um, and just really just trying to go to the Olympics with a newfound love and a newfound experience because um, what's quite sad and what a lot of people don't realise about elite sport, um, you know, a lot of people see, oh, well, like, you got to go to an Olympics, like, how cool is that? Um, but, you know, for the high achiever, if you don't do what you want or you don't achieve what you want, um, you walk away very disappointed. And I look back on the Olympics and what should be one of the happiest moments of my life because I've just achieved a childhood dream I literally can't think of one memory that brings me joy um, and that makes me really sad. So um, that's just the goal for Paris is to first off make the team and then second to bring home some memories that I'll be able to tell my kids. Yeah, that's awesome. You talk a bit about your faith and that you seem quite strong in your faith. Um, uh, how did that come about for you personally? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned at the very beginning, um, I've grown up in a Christian home and in a Christian family my whole life, um, but there's a very big difference from um, going to church because your parents are, you know, going to church to then when you've, like, actually decided that, you know, you want to follow Christ. Um, and for me, that moment was when I was about 15 or 16. It was just any regular Sunday like this. Um, and the pastor was, you know, talking about, well you know, why do you believe in Christ? And everyone has their own reason as to why they believe in Christ. And for me, I sat back and I went, well, because my parents do? Like, I was like, that's not a good enough reason. Um, and it really just made me think. And I thought, I'm a very purpose-driven person, as you can probably tell. Um, and for me, I was like, you know, you have all your friends in school that talk about evolution or whatever it may be. And I go, well, if I've come from literally nothing and I'm just here to live my 80 years, die, that's it. Like, what's the point of life? And I was just so ready to reject that statement. And, you know, I would so much rather believe in a God that, you know, not only loves you and cares for you and treats you like your own son and daughter, but, you know, you're able to have a relationship and this beaming energy like nobody else. The amount of times that I get asked, when I'm away on team or anything like that, you know, there's something different about you, you know, what is it? I'm 100% convinced that it's because I'm a believer of Christ. And there's something powerful in that when you truly realise that. So yeah, when I was about 15 or 16, that's when it really hit me and, you know, the altar call came and I was, you know, the first one to raise my hand and that's, I guess, when I really committed myself to Christ. But, you know, I've always grown up in the Christian home. Um, I was actually baptised when I was 12 um, and I had two words spoken over me, um, the words advanced unafraid. I got them tattooed under my Olympic rings. Um, and this was a significant moment for me um, because I lost, I lost that sense to advance unafraid as I was, you know, being influenced by others around me or, or had um, believed the word that, you know, I was just not going to amount to anything. Um, and, you know, I got this tattooed when, you know, I really started to shift my mind, and it's a daily reminder for me that, you know, whatever we're facing and whatever we're going through is to just, you know, we advance unafraid. 
What's, uh, what's your plan? What are you thinking? I mean, you, you've still got dreams and you're, you're swimming, and, but have you got visions and thoughts and uh, beyond that as well? Yeah, definitely. So um, in my off time that I have during the day, I'm studying at uni. So I'm studying a Bachelor of Business majoring in management. So um, when I finish swimming, um, I want to become, I guess, a manager for young athletes or young, I guess, influencers um, to really help and guide them go through the journey that I've had to go through um, because I know not having somebody there other than your family is really tough. Um, and it's a, a really toxic world out there. Um, and I'd love to just help young people and guide them through that, um, you know, and help them with their sponsors and stuff like that and really navigate their path. Um, so I felt like, you know, after swimming, God's given me a really strong calling in that. Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't we thank a lot? I think he's got his gold medals here. We don't have yeah, them up I on... Got, I got them oh, you got them here. Oh, okay, great. I might uh, have a look at that while I'm here. That'd be awesome. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's the closest I'll ever get to a uh, world gold medal. That's amazing. So that's the that's the world uh, worlds, and then this is holy Julie, Sorry. Okay, and this is uh, this is the Commonwealth Games. There you go, gold medal, Commonwealth Games. That's awesome, mate. Big congratulations, and uh, thank you guys. And Thanks for having me, Elijah. Thank you. Good job, mate. That's awesome. Do you want this? No, I just wanted to share very briefly. I think the band even can come up. But, um, I mean, some of the stuff Elijah just shared is absolutely amazing. But I was reminded uh, just this afternoon that uh, often in life, and, and Elijah mentioned that actually, just that, that pressure and that sense uh, that we have in life uh, to succeed. And I think often we think, you know, I've got to succeed, I've got to do well because then people will like me or then I'll feel like I'm a person of value. Uh, I think that's how we kind of uh, live out this life. But in a similar way, I think sometimes that kind of success mentality can uh, roll into the Christian faith aspect as well. And there's, there's this, this element, or, and maybe even if you're here tonight and you've never been to church before, there's this sense that, oh, okay, well, if God's gonna value me, if God's gonna like me, if God's gonna accept me as a person, then I've gotta succeed or I've gotta do well for Him. And I, I came across this passage, um, and it's in Galatians actually, but Paul who writes this letter to this church in Galatia, he writes this letter to encourage them because the gospel couldn't be anything, you know, the gospel isn't about what you do for God, it's what He's done for you. That's what's so liberating, that's what's so freeing actually, it's actually quite amazing. And so the Galatian church, they understood this and they realised that, hey, it's, it's not based on our works that we can have a relationship with God, it's based on what Christ has done for us. And Paul writes this letter because they've fallen back into this trap of like, oh, we gotta do these good works for God. And Paul says, no, you're crazy. Stop thinking like that. It's not about what you've done for him and how successful you are, so to speak, in his eyes. And he writes these words. It's, it's out of the message version. I pretty much never preach from this. But, but, but he says this. He says, have you, have you taken leave of your senses? He's writing this letter to them. He says, something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? And the message is this, the message of the gospel is this, is that you don't need to do anything before God. You don't need to do any great works so that He might accept you. He loves you as you are. And that we can come before Him and, and say, God, I, I just need you. I, I want you in my life. There's literally nothing you can do that he, to, 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 that he might love you more. It's simply because you're a child of His. And it's actually the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, laying down His life, uh, that we can have a relationship uh, with God. And so maybe you come tonight and maybe it's the first time you've been to church, you're welcomed along, or maybe you're watching online and there's this sense of, yeah, well, what does that mean for me? You know, Elijah spoke tonight about that relationship with God and how it changes everything for him. It brings life and purpose to him. And maybe in the same way, you're thinking, yeah, I'd love to know what that's like. Well, you can, you literally can. 
But hear this so clearly tonight, not based on anything you can do. Because I tell you what, you will be working and working and working for the remainder of your life saying, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? And you know what? You'll never be able to achieve enough because, because the entry point to heaven is perfection and we just can't get there. So it's not perfection, it's forgiveness. That's, that's the entry point to heaven. And God says, if you come to me with a humble heart and say, God, I need you in my life, He'll forgive you every single time and say, yep, you can have a relationship with me and He'll change everything, absolutely everything for you. So this is what's so liberating. You see how freeing this is? The Christian faith is not, I've got to keep achieving, keep achieving. You see, Elijah spoke about that. He went into that meet just going, all the pressure on the world on his shoulders. And it just, he fell apart. And that's what happens. If you come to God with this sense of, I've just got to achieve, just got to achieve, the pressure will be endless and you'll fall apart. But what's so liberating and freeing about the Christian faith is you can come absolutely free and go, God, I just need your grace and your mercy. And, he's, and, he, and he gives it, He gives it freely. And that changes everything. It changes everything. You know, just the other day, I just had this thought, but my little son, I got two sons, but my littlest son came in uh, to our bedrooms only like a year and a half. And he just came up and I just, I think I rubbed his head or gave him a cuddle or something. I said, gee, I love you. You know, just, just in a passing comment. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if we approach children like that, or if, or if there was this sense of like, you know, my child, in order for me to love my child, that he would work or succeed for me. I mean, what sort of chance does a one and a half year old have, you know, at earning my love if it was about, you know, succeeding or serving me or, you know, if anything, it's quite the opposite. He's done nothing really for, for us. If anything, we've pulled our lives out uh, for him. But I adore that kid. You know, I love him. Why? Well, not really nothing because he's done anything for me, but simply because he's just my son, because he's my child. I just, I love him. And there's nothing he could do that would separate, you know, my, my deep love for him. You know, it's the same with God. You know, you come to God and there's really not much we can do in, in, inside of the, the perfect creator of the universe. But he loves you. He loves you not because of anything you've done, but because you're just a child of his. And he, he says to you tonight, he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. And there's nothing you could do that would separate from that love. He loves you and he adores you. And all you need to do is say, God, I want you in my life. I need a new life in you. And ask him for that and he'll give you that. Father God, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. I'm just conscious there may be some here tonight that are just, they don't even know why that they're here. Maybe they don't even know why they're listening. Maybe why they're watching necessarily but they just know deep within their heart. Maybe they've heard it several times before, great God, but they know deep within their heart. I need new life. I need something fresh. I need to know what it's like to experience the joy and the freedom and the, the peace of knowing the creator of the universe. And if that's you tonight, I just wanna give you an opportunity just to respond to God, to say, God, I wanna know you. I wanna know you personally. If that's you just in your head and in your heart, you can just pray a simple prayer to your God. Lord, I wanna know you. I want you to forgive me for all my past sin. I want to thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, rising again, overcoming death. And I ask that you might be Lord and Saviour in my life right now. I want to know you personally. Come into my life in this moment. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Father, I thank you for those that have prayed that prayer and I just thank you that you answer that prayer 100% of the time. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've got a plan and purpose for our lives, great God. And I'm just conscious there may be some here tonight that just have fallen back into that trap as Paul was writing to the church in Galatia that they started to work again for God as if I need to get in the good books of God. But I just pray that you'd give us a fresh revelation again tonight that it's not based on works, it's simply based on your grace and your mercy. And I just pray that we would live a fresh, that fresh revelation, that fresh reminder of your grace and that we can live in the freedom of, of knowing that great God and walking in that, that feeling, that liberation, great God, I pray. So help us never to fall back into that trap, but to worship and to praise and honour You because You're so worthy of Your mercy and Your grace. You're amazing, Lord. We love You tonight. We worship You. We pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you jump up on your feet? We're gonna sing this last song together and uh, just worship and praise our great God. Let's do that together.
for who you are, great God. Thank you that there is power in your name. Thank you that you have a purpose for our life. Thank you that you have made a way for us to know you, to love you, and to live in the new life that you have for us. And you're holy in your precious name. Amen. I really want to encourage you, as Elijah is sharing in one of the past, I was just so encouraged. If you're at a place in your life where you just feel a bit bored, you just think, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I just loved it how he put it. We have a creator God who created the universe that has a purpose for every single one of us. And someone asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love God and to love others. And it is so exciting when we live a life of loving God and loving others. And and as Elijah is sharing that, when people ask him, hey, mate, what is different about you? It is so cool to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ. People are seriously dying to find out what is the purpose of life and we have the answer. So I pray for you in every single thing that you do, you have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And can I just say that is the most exciting thing. It really is. The Lord has a purpose for every single one of us. So I just, I just wanna pray for us again because it's an exciting life. It isn't boring. So if you are finding life a bit boring at the moment, I want you to come to God and say, God, show me, show me what it looks like to follow you. So let me pray for every single one of us. Lord, I thank you that you say in the Word, you say, Jesus, that there is life and life to the full in your name. And Jesus, when we are following you, it is an exciting journey. It doesn't, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but it is exciting, Lord, to, to figure out who you are to love you and to love others. And I pray for every single one of us. There's no one that's left out of that. So I pray, just as Twig was saying it before, that we would come to you and say, God, I need you and I want you and you're holy in your precious name. Amen. Feel free to take a seat. It has been awesome to have you at church tonight. I have a Bible pack here. If you wanted to grab a Bible, if you don't have one, we have them out the front here under the seats. We'd love to give that to you. Uh, Feel free to head out. Uh, Feel free to give if you wanted to uh, to the hamper station and uh, make sure you enjoy that amazing sausage sizzle, as I told you about. Have a great week.